0: I'll continue speaking about Srila Prabhupada, reflections on his mood and mission. It's one of the books I want to write, The Mood and Mission of Srila Prabhupada. Srila Prabhupada was a preacher of Krishna consciousness, obviously. Very extraordinarily empowered preacher of Krishna consciousness. So preaching means not simply to sit on a speed seat and speak that Bautista Dhan used to call a platform speaker. He said, apart from that, you have to mix with people and interact with them personally. So uh, Prabhupada was a, a, a very uh, successful preacher. Preaching means that one who is on a higher level of consciousness... Attracts people to move toward that higher level of consciousness, Krishna consciousness, and brings them in. Somehow or other, bringing people to Krishna. So the idea is to attract people to Krishna, engage them in Krishna consciousness, and gradually bring them to the ultimate stage. So, we've been, I've been talking a lot about compromise, but compromise and adjustment, the two things are quite close, and preaching necessitates making some adjustment, because it means making contact with people who are on a lower level of consciousness and making this, there should be some communication in which the person on the lower level of consciousness is willing to submit to or cooperate with the person on the higher level of consciousness and people on the lower level of consciousness, by their very nature, they're rebellious, so it may involve some kind of cheating or tricking or maybe attracting them at a lower level and then gradually bringing them to a higher level. And that is the uh, reasoning behind all kinds of things that go on today in our movement, which I have been expressing some reserve about, to say the least. Certain things, it's called bridge preaching. Uh, you do anything, do all kinds of things, and the idea is just somehow or other contact people and they gradually bring them to Krishna consciousness. Although I was saying that some of the things is, it's easier to bring people in, when you're vegetarian cooking, it's easy to go from vegetarian cooking to telling them this is Krishna prasadam, especially when you have such a uh, a good product to offer that people can immediately appreciate. But then other things, it, they may be further away from Krishna. courses even like Ayurveda, which is Upaveda. It's, it's a secondary Veda, but it's, it's, uh, it's a long way from surrender to Krishna. So, um, anyway, preaching means bringing people in, bringing them up, and then bring them in somehow or other to Krishna consciousness, bring them up in Krishna consciousness and then bring them right into the spiritual world. So some adjustment is necessary. If it, just like in my, I believe in my book on Bhaktis, yeah, in my book on Bhaktis and I talk where it's not just anecdotes, but there's, there's a lot of, there's quite a lot of my own personal analysis also. Um, I said that Gorki Shorbab Das does Babaji Maharaj, his, he also preached, but he preached in such a way that no one could follow him except Bhaktisdan Sasra. He practically had to be on his level of of devotion before he would accept anyone, Any, anything he accepted anything he rejected, insincere. So Bhaktisdan Sasra Thakur gave some allowance. The preacher has to give some allowance for people's Lack of Krishna consciousness, <coughs> and even Patisthan <coughs> Thakur told. Well, he told several stories. This uh, Balam Chow, Balam Rice, that he told the story of the, the the landlord who fed his workers with first class rice and ghee because they kept on. The people would come and they would go. He couldn't keep any workers. He trained them how to work and then it all go away. So then he fed them first-class food and then they all became very faithful to him and said, actually, you're a very good landlord and we like you very much and due to your good qualities, you want to stay. Actually, it was just for the good food, which they wouldn't get anywhere else. So Bhaktisthan Saraswati gave this analogy that as a spiritual master he may give titles, positions, positions, <coughs> all things like that just to make people feel important and then they'd go on with their devotional service. That was... So Prabhupada, he gave prasadam. So, uh, he cheated people. But cheated means he misled. Well, what, what is it exactly the right term? He misled or... He tricked them. That's the right word. He would say, for instance, that you don't have to, and you don't have to give up anything. You just have to. Big to Krishna consciousness. No gambling, no girlfriends, no illicit sex, no intoxication. Get up early in the morning, and you know it's it tricks. People, it's just you don't have to give up anything. Of course, you have to give up so many things, but in the beginning, you just chant Hare Krishna, take prasad, and then gradually. So many things were introduced. So preaching means to, like that, to bring people in and bring them up and gradually bring them to the highest standard. Now there's one uh, incident described in Srila Prabhupada, Linamrita, which really, uh, I've been meditating on it for years, it really captures the uh, the mood of Śrīla Prabhupāda. And it's quite enigmatic. Uh, during, well, before Prabhupāda had any property in Mayapur, maybe he just had a small hut or something like this, he went with a few of his disciples, and they visited two of Śrīla Prabhupāda's godbrothers, Mats, in Navadip, over the river from Mayapur. One of them was the Devānanda Mat. <coughs> under Goriamat, from which that was uh, under Keshav Maharaj, proper Sanyas Guru, and, um, and they saw that mat. There were many Brahmacharis and many sannyasis, but then you'd see the Brahmacharis. Many of them had long hair, and they were actually they were from villages, and they were going to college in Navadweep and it was like it was more like a hostel in many ways seemed a bit popularistic. A little, uh, what's it, popularistic? you understand that? It's like a little uh, showy. Whereas at Shrida Maharaj's mount, it was very philosophical atmosphere and very serious atmosphere. There was hardly anyone there. And I also saw um, one of Prabhupada's godbrothers, who was, it's, you know, very, very harsh and heavy and very strict. He only had one disciple living with him. So, uh, anyway, um, when they yeah, then they got back to Mayapur. Prabhupada had his land there uh, at that time, must have And then Achuta Swami was Prabhupada. That, he said that when we saw the Devananda Gauri Mart, there were many devotees living there, but the standard didn't seem to be very high. Whereas at Sridhar Maharaj's Mart, the standard was very high. There there were many... In one place there were many people, but not much standard. In the other place there were... There was uh, not many people, but the standard was high. So which one should we be like? Prabhupada said both. (coughs) By which he didn't mean that... uh, he didn't mean that no people and no standards. He meant many people and high standards. <laughs> so that's the trick. That's how to have many people and high standards. In the beginning Prabhupada was very liberal. You have to be liberal to preach. I mean, if, to, to some extent. You have to... you. Just like we were on Harinam in the city the other day, and then there's some young woman with hardly any clothes on, came and danced. I mean, in the temple, with the committed devotees, that wouldn't be allowed. But on Harinam in the city, then you you can't tell them, go away. It it just goes on, that's all. Dancing there just, you know, for them it's just some fun. But you're not going to tell her, you know, go put on a sari and then join the ladies. It's just—it's just beyond their comprehension. So, all right, they're chanting, they're, they're dancing. One very good thing that Dhanveer Maharaj does on Hari Nam, I've seen it. They have the Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hari 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 Rama, Hari Rama 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 Hari Hari. They have the the uh, dana. What do you call that? The, what's it called? Or board, board uh, exactly the word, I can't Plaque. remember. Hmm? Plaque. Plaque, maybe, something. Also. Huh? Also. Yeah, yeah. I mean, generally we take that out on now. So people, they come and they start dancing with us, think it's just some fun. And when they do it, he has his dunder and he's, he points and it. He says, here, sing this. <laughs> and he gets them to sing. So that's good. Um... So both things should be there. Both things should be there. The thing is, if we, if we want to be strict, but we don't want to be so strict that we turn people away. For instance, if you insist that you know, everyone has to fast on a kadashi near Jal and stay up all night, uh, well, how many people are you going to have to come and join? You know, someone just they just thinking about joining the temple and then they join and then after three days it's a Kadashi and you starve them and you make them stay up all night and you know, it is it's not very realistic for preaching or, or be, people may not it'll be difficult to get people to join if you make it very very strict and very austere. few people may join they may be, may be very good but they, they may not have captured the essence of Śrīla Prabhupāda's mission, which is to bring many people into Krishna consciousness, because the essence of Krishna consciousness is not fasting or austerity, it's attachment to Krishna, Krishna's name. So, yeah, many, most Vaishnavas in the past did that. But it, it could be, an well, practically that would be an impediment to our preaching, which is why Prabhupāda didn't insist on it. Auster- we, uh, Chana Kipandit says austerity is for one in other words if you want to do it you do it but you don't go around and try to force others to do it and, uh, Prabhupada he saw it, in the beginning he told the his child 64 hours he just, he just couldn't do it so uh, he then he made it 32 then he made it 16 no lower than that he wanted in the beginning, 64 hours. But then he adjusted, he very quickly adjusted and made it available to others. But he didn't go below that. So in, in the beginning, Prabhupada was very liberal. Like I said, the deity worship consisted of, there was no dressing of the deities or resting them or any such things. Arati consisted of putting a ghee lamp on a plate and passing it around and everything. This you see in, in Hindu temples. You don't see in this country. They don't have Hindu temples. Anyway, they go And Gradually, Prabhupada, he, uh, introduced more standards. So, this is often, as I say, this is often a, a misunderstanding that what Prabhupada gave in the early days, and then some devotees say, well, why don't we go Prabhupada allowed that, so we should do that. But then Prabhupada gradually introduced more standards. He was dealing with hippies, after all. And it was amazing, it's a miracle that Prabhupada could get these people to follow anything, because they were sworn to uh, not follow anything. That was, that was their whole thing, to just not follow any discipline, not follow any leader, and be as wild and unrestrained as they could. That was the whole idea of hippie life. But Prabhupada got them to follow some gradually. And the actual standard of Vaidhi Bhakti, which will lead one to perfection, there are many rules and regulations. So Prabhupada gradually introduced many of them, and he introduced to a large, a lot of the culture which is intrinsic to Krishna consciousness. Again, he didn't insist on it, but that was the normal standard in the temples that devotees were what we now call devotional dress. And uh, but Prabhupada didn't insist on it. If, if someone someone came to him and said that, well, do you have to dress like this? Now, Prabhupada said, you can be Krishna conscious in a suit and tie. So he made that allowance, although in the temple the general standard was like that. And he said you don't have to shave your head, but then when some people came to him for initiation, on more than one occasion, they weren't shaven-headed, Prabhupada said, why aren't their head shaved? And in Detroit on one occasion when it was explained to him that, well, these are... Because most of the devotees at that time were living in the temple, when it was explained to Prabhupada that these are householders living outside, they had jobs, and in those days it wasn't socially acceptable to have a shaved head. So Prabhupada said, okay, all right, and he initiated them without shaved heads. So like that, Prabhupada was flexible. He was, he wanted to bring people up to the standard that would help them to come to Krishna consciousness. And what uh, we could call the an Indian cultural package was part of it. But uh, he was also flexible. He didn't always insist on, on people doing things which uh, might be difficult for them. Yeah, so the, the misunderstanding, as I see it, is that sometimes devotees say that, well, what went on in the early days, that should be the standard forever, just like that example given that the men and the women used to dance together. But later on, separation was there, and, and Prabhupada wrote about separation of men and women in the first Kanto of Bhagavatam even before he came to the West. So it's, it's it wasn't something that, as some people say, some sannyasis went to India and they became cultural fanatics or something. But Prabhupada himself wrote about that right in the first Kanto of Bhagavatam, how, how women and men were separated and he's, he, he says that the, the women in uh, in Hastinapur or Dwarka, I can't remember, they, they were stood on the top of the building, and they didn't go down on the road and mix with the men to receive Krishna. And Prabhupada said, that, well, some people say that separation of men and women is an introduction of the Mohammedans. But actually this was going on when Krishna was there. So it's, it's an ancient part of Varnashram. So like this, they're, they're, that's one example. Another thing is this Prabhu, calling women Prabhu, and Prabhupada might have got along with that. I mean, there are many, actually nonsense things that Prabhupada went along with in the early days which is maybe quite a shocking statement but um, Prabhupada just just like the the, the initiated devotees they would get up at 7 o'clock in the morning and gradually Prabhupada introduced Mongolati and if we should say that well Okay, well, we'll go back to the early days, and no Mongolati, and everyone gets up late. And but uh, later on, Prabhupada instructed various cultural norms, for instance, calling women Mataji. But some people insist that this is some something which some mean-spirited people have introduced, so some. What to me seem very strange ideas are coming up. Now, what I was discussing before was not... uh, Yeah, yeah, so... Alright, sorry, I'm jumping here and there. Um, Yeah, we have in our movement at the present time there are two visible streams of what may be called traditionalists and conservatives and those who are very liberal and Well, both things are there in Prabhupada's practice and precept. But clearly, the the more Prabhupada wanted to bring devotees up to a a better level of following or more in line with Shastra, because the directions of Shastra are for helping people to go back to Godhead. So, you can be Krishna conscious with, you, you can chant Hare Krishna, and there can be many concessions. But the, the more we follow the Shastric standard, the, the, the rules given by the Acharyas to help us advance in Krishna consciousness, and the more we're likely to advance in Krishna consciousness. <coughs> which is why Prabhupada wanted to introduce them, but seeing people's reluctance to do so, he sometimes adjusted on certain rules. He even gave initiation to the chief justice of Madras, who was drinking tea. And Prabhupada said, all right. He, he just said, I'd like to take initiation. He had no previous training or association. Prabhupada said, all right. For you we'll make an exception. In Hyderabad, I was told that the Hyderabad farm, the, the local villages, he just initiated 200 of them. with no contact with Krishna but so. That might be something that Prabhupada's disciples might not want to imitate. But uh, he was willing to take risks for preaching. Um, But that Prabhupada made certain allowances, this is a, this as I said, is a misunderstanding, that devotees shouldn't think that those allowances are on the same level as the Shastra conjunction. Or that because Prabhupada allowed certain things, that, that becomes the. Uh, Prabhupada Pr- 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 Pr allowed certain things in circumstance, circumstances, that doesn't. That We shouldn't think that that supplants the Shastra uh, the injunctions that Prabhupada also taught. Or, or that it's as good as the higher level which Prabhupada also taught. In other words, we shouldn't say that the allowance is the ultimate standard. And for instance, uh, say that, well, no need of Mongolati. Prabhupada didn't have it in the beginning, so that was all right. So, okay, no need. Or Prabhupada, he, uh, he initiated someone who drank tea, so I can drink tea also. We should know that that's just... I mean, there was a godbrother who told me that once. He, he used to get up very late in the morning. And I said, come on, what are you doing? Every morning you're up late. He said, well, Prabhupada's father, Prabhupada said, he got up late every morning. Prabhupada said, he's a pure devotee. So, like, looking for all the little loopholes to avoid what is in our own self-interest. So this is self-deception or cheating oneself. But then when one tries to make a philosophy out of it and because everyone, no one wants to say, if someone gets up late, that's not good. If they say, I'm getting up late, it's not good, that's better than getting up late and saying, it. I'm getting up late and it's good. And better than that is to get up early. And Chattinamya Krishna, obviously. Just to get up early in itself doesn't make one Krishna conscious. You can get up early and uh, start taking intoxication. you know. Ready to get up late and chant Hare Krishna. But, but better than either of those two situations, get up early and chant Hare Krishna. So, um, like this, uh, understanding Prabhupada's it's not that difficult to understand actually, but that there should be some concessions, and certain devotees will be more uh, liberal in their outlook and uh, bring people in and they may be good at bringing people in but then the real art is to bring many people in and then bring them up that's the real art and probably with different kinds of devotees <coughs> in our movement if there can be some good understanding that can bring people in and bring them up also but there is we, we should understand with these concessions that they, that they can be dangerous also just like for instance uh... Many people like rock music, so if we say that okay, let, let's have a rock band devotees rock band, and that will attract many people. It may attract many people. They're not, and they may not be. They're not intrinsically attracted to chanting Hare Krishna. So all right, have a rock band that says chanting Hare Krishna. But then uh, one danger is that the devotees who are performing and even those who are not performing may become more attracted to the music than the chanting and uh, become pulled down by that because rock music is after all on a low it's coming from a low level of consciousness and it may be also that as Srila Prabhupada himself pointed out that they may be just attracted by the music and then when the music stops then they may not come up to. A, they, they, they may not be very interested in what our actual message is. So yeah, it's it's one way to. It's possibly one way to bring people in. If it's it, it's not necessary, it may be done. Uh, but this, as I was saying the other day, like if you bring in Ayurveda or something like that you bring in something extraneous, you bring in actually an Anartha, because they're on the level of Anartha, and then you, you contact them on the level of their Anartha, and you promote their Anartha. But then you, it's, it becomes more difficult to... Although you bring many people in, and you can get them to uh, maybe Chanhaya Krishna, or at some level take interest in Krishna consciousness, but then it becomes more difficult to remove that anartha than if you had in the beginning not promoted it. So, there are problems with the, uh, what may be called alternative approaches. So, it it requires uh, good intelligence to know how to preach. And of course, our most uh, important programs of preaching are distribution of the Prabhupada's books, Hainam Sankhita, Prasadam distribution, and festivals. And festivals, again, we have to see how far we go, just like sometimes devotees think that anything Indian that's like Krishna conscious, and then for instance they have Bollywood dancing, and, you know, which is really quite sensuous on a low level of consciousness. It may be Indian, but it's not, it's a long way from Krishna consciousness. Not ever, everything in India is Krishna, Krishna conscious. I mean, Kangsa was an Indian also. <laughs> so, he was, was Vasi, for that matter. So, it's not that everything Indian India is Krishna conscious, by any means. Okay, uh, what I was talking about the other day is um, something more serious, just like actually really redefining Prabhupada's instructions and her understanding of him. Um, just like, yeah, devotees, they may not like uh, some of the things that Prabhupada said, they, they can't adjust to it, like Prabhupada's certain statements that Srila Prabhupada made about women, which is, after all, if we consider it, it is a... It is a statement about jivas in a state of bondage. Right? It's about the material condition. It's That shouldn't be equated with what is nowadays called sexism or misogyny. There may be men who, who don't like women. And they say bad things about women or mistreat them, but Prabhupada's statements are on the basis of Shastra about Jeevas in a state of bondage. And certainly Srila Prabhupada didn't hate anyone. So, uh, that is the general understanding according to Shastra, that the (coughs) the male form is better for self-realization, the male-human form. And the female form is... uh, often considered a block. Although in, <clears throat> by Chaitanya Mahabrabhu's mercy, everyone can take to Krishna consciousness. And any anyway, I'm not going to get into that issue. It's a hot one, no doubt. Uh, this, but Srila uh, Prabhupada spoke on the basis of Shastra, which he accepted as reality, and he presented it uh, to us as reality. And... We pray, I offer my businesses to my Guru. I was in the darkest of ignorance and he opened my eyes with the torchlight of knowledge. So if we think that my Guru is in the darkness of ignorance and I'm opening his eyes with the torchlight of my knowledge, then we don't need a Guru. <laughs> uh, if we think that Srila Prabhupada was mistaken or, or that the people say he was influenced by his Victorian or early 20th century Bengali background <coughs> well if you say that Prabhupada is under the influence of uh, mundane culture then you're saying that he's under the influence of Maya. And he's not a Mahabhagavat. And that becomes very dangerous because then you can say, well, as soon as you start to think that Prabhupada is wrong, then everything, you you won't have the faith to accept anything. And everything becomes subject to our own intelligence. Well, Prabhupada said this, okay, I'm going to intelligently analyze it and give my interpretation. But that's why we go to a guru, because we realize that our own intelligence is incapable of of understanding the truth. We go to a tattva darshan, one who has seen the truth. Śrīla Prabhupāda writes uh, in in a third canto, in which doubt is stated to be one of the factors of intelligence. So Prabhupāda says that doubt is good in the beginning. One should doubt. Uh, one, one shouldn't accept anyone or anything, just saying anything or uh, just blindly. But then when one, at some point one has to accept, uh, having exercised one's discrimination, one should accept uh, a guru, and then uh, at that point to doubt everything is not at all beneficial. Rather, if one can't understand something, one should doubt one's own understanding, rather than doubt the statement of Shastra. That example was given of Purushottam. Prabhupada said, I could understand him, I don't believe me, but then why, shouldn't he, why should he not accept the statements of Shastra? So, Prabhupada was he wasn't promoting that the moon is further way than the sun, simply out of his opinion, but on the basis of Shastra. And in this way, Srila Prabhupada also set the stand of a genuine guru for all generations to come. That he speaks on the basis of Shastra and should be accepted on that basis. Not that he just talks anything he likes. That's why I took some objection to one of the members of our movement stating in a book that what well, it was transcribed from one of his lectures and then someone wrote the question that where do you get this knowledge from and it was knowledge about all kinds of esoteric things like UFOs and things like this and he said well i I have it from I got this knowledge from its uh, knowledge from a previous life and from contact with a higher level of cosmic consciousness and that was my main objection not this stuff about UFOs and this and that but that, stating that because that then where's the parampara? Where's the, uh, the, the then anyone can say anything. I have this knowledge from previous life, which you are not privy to. You just have to accept that I I have this, and uh, from contact with the level of cosmic consciousness, then anyone can say that. And then they can say anything, and you you accept on blind faith. The Prabhupada is so insistent. We always quote Shastra. Achin. All right, now I have to quote Shastra, right? Achinoti Shastrani acharyas thapi swayam acharate yasmat acharyas stena kirtita And Acharya is defined as one who uh, acts according to Shastra, speaks according to Shastra Achanodhiya Shastra ni uh, And uh, Yeah and gets others to act according to Shastra also. So uh, Yeah, in this way Prabhupada was a perfect representative of the Parampara. Um and taught, and of course not everyone's going to be on the level of Prabhupada and to expect everyone to be on the level of Prabhupada is also not realistic but one can be a guru by following in the footsteps and of Srila Prabhupada of speaking according to Shastra acting according to Shastra and inducing others also to act according to Shastra so that point, if you say that Prabhupada is under the influence of the He's under the influence of this, some mundane culture. And you say, saying is my, he's under the influence of the three modes of nature. Then he's not a Mahabharata. Then you can, then, uh, then why follow him? You can doubt everything he says. So it's a very dangerous idea to say. You see that people don't like certain things that Prabhupada said, <coughs> in instance, certain social statements. That's not the, or- I mean, this thing about uh, Prabhupada's statements on, Gender roles, that's become quite controversial. The Prophet said lots of things which which were highly controversial. I mean, he was against democracy, he was for uh, dictatorship practically, Uh, slavery. Yes? Shudras should not be given freedom. Robert said, actually, the American slaves—they were happy. And and actually, many of them, after they were given their freedom, they had the big fight of Whig War Supposedly over that. And many of them, they just stayed with their masters anyway because they were getting fed. uh, So, slavery is one thing. uh, Capital punishment, child marriage. No education, no formal education for most of the population. So a lot of the things Prabhupada said. That's what I'm saying. If you want to make Prabhupada's books, uh, if, you want to, if you want to cut out all the controversial things, there'll be probably nothing left. God's got four hands. How about that? So... You could, uh, you could say, well, Prabhupada is a Mahabhagavat, but he's still influenced, but still there was some influence of some mundane culture. But then you're saying that Krishna consciousness, state of pure consciousness, is mixed with Maya. So, even someone on the topmost level is still influenced by Maya. So, either you, if we at all try to bring in the idea that there's some mundane streak in Prabhupada, because we don't like what he says, then we're in a lot of trouble. We're, we're we're offensive to Prabhupada, and we're we're offensive to the whole process of devotional service. We've redefined it. Uh, so really, that being a disciple is if you really if, if we know what Prabhupada says, it's very it's very heavy. And maybe that's one reason why Prabhupada did always use these words, rascal, fool, this. I mean, it was a call to either accept, as Prabhupada sometimes said, you take it or leave it, it's up to you. You accept. To accept what Prabhupada says, it's very heavy. It means war against mine It means practically rejecting everything that we've learned since day one. Of not only in this life, but of many lives. We got it all wrong. Especially in modern society, the cultural values are so far away from anything, even slightly resembling human culture. That's why Prabhupada said, you come as a disciple, you come as a blank slate. Don't get it. He quoted Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, came, who came before his guru. Guru more murkadeki, kore My guru saw me as a fool and therefore, he chastised me. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu showed that example. Prabhupada would call that. So, uh, yeah, we should be aware of these things. There are various ideas going around in our homes which are sometimes propagated by various senior people, even and even sometimes enshrined in GBC statutes. So it's really a challenge for each devotee to understand through guru, sadhu and shastra. It's a very difficult time for our movement in which, uh, for instance, calls to Adjust Prabhupada's books to change them and edit them—very, very dangerous. So uh, it's a time when devotees have to, as Prabhupada wanted them to, very deeply enter into the understanding of Krishna consciousness, so that we, we're, that so we we're not misled. And we should, when people say something, if we're not sure, then we can, we can question them. That's allowed. Arjuna questioned Krishna he might have seemed quite rude maybe even of course Arjuna is quite polite Uh, he said that uh, he said that Vivasvan is much older than you and you're saying you spoke to him How can I understand that? He didn't reject it. He didn't say, Krishna, what are you talking about? They're just talking nonsense. How is that possible? But he asked, how is it possible? It seems like an impossibility. But then Krishna replied, I already told you, we're all going through so many births. So he's in a previous birth. So in this way Krishna satisfied Arjuna's Inquired, but Arjuna inquired. He couldn't. He couldn't understand. What are you talking? I can't understand it. And Krishna replied. So questioning is not uh, forbidden. And Krishna didn't just tell Arjuna, "Look, shut up. I'm God. Just, just, just do what I say, or I'll burn you in hell forever." That's what the Christians say, right? You believe in it, or you go to hell forever. But uh, one reason why Śrīla Prabhupāda appealed to the uh, Western mentality is that he presented actual philosophy, and he he answered questions. Questioning is not disallowed, so uh, if people say something which appears to be not exactly correct, then... Um, we can question them also. Of course, it can be quite a complex subject when we consider that Prabhupada sometimes, just like that, he was very liberal in some times, very strict in others. So according to time, place and circumstance, he would act differently or say different things. And then to extract what is the essence of it, It requires good intelligence, and that intelligence comes not from a university degree, but from One should have firm faith in God and Guru, and in this way all the import of Shastra is revealed to one. But if one is looking, that's the point, if one is looking for sense gratification, if one is looking... To, for some means of not surrendering to Krishna and enjoying sense gratification while making a show of being Krishna conscious, then we are liable to misinterpret, and that's how all the—that's how all the interpretations of how has meat eating come to Christianity, when Christ, by all historical records, uh, actual historical records, not the ones that are propagated. He was uh, vegetarian. It's because people want to eat meat and they want to promote themselves as being good Christians also. So, in this way, they reinterpret. So this is very dangerous. So, uh, understanding, it's a very big topic. I wanted to make this book. The mood and mission of Shih give me blessing, strength, time, good intelligence, devotion, and I might be able to write on that. And another point, I was talking the other day about the essence that Srila uh, Prabhupada's compassion, it wasn't bodily compassion, is it? Often devotees sight. Well, there are some instances which have become quite well known. Um there's one instance of Srila Prabhupada in New Vrindavan saw one of in an autumn evening it was quite cool, and Srila Prabhupada saw one of his lady disciples was just, just standing with thin dress and no warm cloth, and she told the town president, Why has she not got any warm cloth? You should use your duty to make sure she has warm cloth. So this is often cited as an instance of Srila Prabhupada's compassion, which it is, of course. He was concerned with the welfare of his disciples. But at the same time, it shouldn't be misunderstood that that was was like the ultimate limit of Prabhupada's compassion, is that he wanted to see that people were warm on a cool night. Rather, that small anecdote captured how Prabhupada had full compassion for every living being in the universe. And therefore, he wanted to preach Krishna consciousness. But his compassion was not Limited to just okay, be Krishna conscious and you know starve to death or freeze to death. And he also wanted to see to the immediate needs. So yes, that does show proper compassion. How broad it was! It wasn't just some kind of otherworldly, uh, mm, ill-defined compassion. Not not just, not only spiritual compassion but on every level Prabhupada wanted to see that people were uh, looked after and satisfied so but it, but if we hear that oh that's Prabhupada's compassion oh yeah so the most important thing is that everyone should be happy on the material platform no it shouldn't be misunderstood and misinterpreted uh, another factor in our changing perceptions of Śrīla Prabhupāda is that we used to say, I only know Śrīla Prabhupāda. And actually it was a fact. in as much as we didn't have much exposure to different, for instance, Goryamad gurus or radha Kund Babaji's or nimbaka Sampradaya gurus. And we didn't have any books except Prabhupāda's. Now so many books have been translated. Often the translations are Not so good. But anyway, a lot of stuff... There's a lot more material available to us. And devotees are more learned. Naturally, time has gone on. They've read Prabhupada's books more. They've read many other things more. And our knowledge of the broader Vaishnava culture and philosophy and Vedic culture and philosophy, as well as some devotees have ventured into uh, the... uh, Western academics and humanities, and so we have a lot more knowledge. so we don't hear devotees say much now that, well, I only know Śrīla Prabhupāda, because we do, in a sense, know much more. And often we find that uh, devotees quote, I, I mean, some devotees, it seems, they quote Vishnu more than Prabhupāda, because his purports are uh, quite extraordinary in many ways and uh, they often many of his purports give uh, quite amazing insights into the leelas of Krishna so it's nice that devotees are uh, uh, enriching their knowledge of the teachings of our Acharyas it's interesting that Srila Prabhupada he based his Bhagavad Gita as it is on the commentary of Baladev Vidya Bhushan rather than that of Vishwanath Changarathaka. These are the two major Gorya commentaries on Bhagavad Gita. Baladev's is much more uh, Vedantic, you can say, or philosophical or traditional. Whereas Vishwanath has a lot of... uh, quite unique and extraordinary. Just like ma meva ye prabhandyante, Vishwanath says... When Krishna says Maam in this verse, he's pointing to his chest like this so that's nice to know that but for mass distribution all over the world uh, the philosophical implications Prabhupada chose to to give that uh, another point is that Prabhupada uh, to the present generation of devotees he might seem like a somewhat distant figure there. I mean, they never saw him they joined ISKCON in a different time and it, and they see their own gurus and it, and it may be that to them to them uh, their own guru is much more real they may feel that their own their own guru is more real or real and more significant and so that's understandable in some ways. On the other hand, again, we should understand that Srila uh, Prabhupada is not just another guru, he's not just another name in a list. He's. Uh, and what can we say? There are so many things we can say. How Srila Prabhupada is very much the embodiment of, uh, of Nityananda Prabhu's mercy. He was the one who brought Krishna consciousness to the world and it's by his mercy that this Krishna consciousness movement is going on. Others can come and go, and they do come and go. I mean, we we didn't imagine that this movement could go on without Tamal Krishna Maharaj. To many devotees in America, at one point, I mean, his, his presence was, even in Prabhupada's presence, his presence was so... Powerful and dynamic, although Tumakrishna certainly never promoted in any way himself as being any kind like, of substitute. Nothing like that to Prabhupada. But practically speaking, the devotees in, in the Radha Damodar Party—they were trained by him, guided by him—and he was, uh, even though they were initiated by Prabhupada, they, they, Krishna was very prominent in their spiritual lives. So he was uh, very powerful and very influential. Uh, and he's gone in this... yeah, he's gone. <laughs> but uh, the movement goes on. Hare Kesh Maharaj, we, we, we couldn't imagine that anything could go on. He suddenly was a very influential and powerful figure. He's gone away and he's going unfortunately. His unfortunate going left many you know, a lot of misfortune in its wake, but things are going on because of Prabhupada's teachings and Prabhupada's mercy and also the structure that Prabhupada set up, That's also important, although nowadays there's a lot of disaffection with the GBC and the leadership of ISKCON in general. If we didn't have anything, then it would be like a body without a skeleton. Even if there's cancer in the bone, still, it, as long as the skeleton's there, it holds the thing together. I mean, we do require an institution. We, you know, as I say, there is increasing disaffection or disappointment. Uh, we, we do need a GBC. I mean, we just can't throw that out of the whole disc on leadership. So Prabhupada was very concerned to put that into place. We shouldn't think that the institution of ISKCON is just, it's not necessary, or it's just meaningless or external. In one sense it's external, but it's required to give shape and form to our preaching and an authority structure which is required. So that's also one of Prabhupada's gifts. So Prabhupada wasn't just another guru, that's my point. Uh Iskon today is going on by his mercy, according to his teachings. And a guru in Iskhan means follower of Prabhupada. And that will be true for generations to come. And of course also follow Bhakti Siddhanta follower follow Gorki das Brabaji. Uh, But Srila Prabhupada's uh, contribution, he himself has said, my books will be the law books for the next 10,000 years. uh, Many people are writing books and that's good, that's kirtan, that will go on, must go on, but uh, it's important to understand and know the mood and mission of Srila Prabhupada. He's not just another guru uh, and the, the, of course there will be changes because we can't remain frozen in time on 14th of November 1977 the, the culture of the world changes and the preaching challenges change and we have to change in accordance with them just like for instance <clears throat> there was a time in India where when Buddhism was very strong so preaching or establishing Krishna consciousness or the Vedic culture, Shankaracharya, was instrumental in driving out Buddhism. So a lot of his preaching was to show the defects of Buddhism, which is not so important as it was at that time. Prabhupada, more than any previous Acharya, took on modern science. Well, one reason was there wasn't modern science previously. But Prabhupada saw that the disinformation spread in the name of science was a major obstacle to people accepting the truth of Krishna consciousness, and therefore Prabhupada uh, prominently targeted modern science as the defect. which is another thing which we don't hear about much nowadays. Uh, the defects, I mean, in our society, there's not nearly as much discussion of this as there used to be, but Prabhupada was very concerned to to defeat the um, the bad propaganda of modern science, and that his disciples should be convinced that that was all, or the things they said wrong, for instance, that life arises from matter, was bogus. So like that, that in in course of time, the challenges may change. And... uh, we we have to we, we have to change with them, obviously. Even at one in, in India when in, at one point Prabhupada said, Don't go on Harinam in public. You know that? Because in in Calcutta his disciples were going and then people were throwing coins. Prabhupada said that's not good because beggars it was common that beggars would go and they do Harinam and people would throw them some coins and Prabhupada thought well People are treating us like beggars. That's not good. Then he started the life membership program. Go to the big men and take donations from them for building temples and give them books. He said, stop doing Harinam. At that point, that's not an internal instruction. But uh, it's quite amazing, isn't it? Seeing as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's main method of propagation was Harinam. So it, it does require... Transcendental intelligence to understand the Acharya. He's he's uh, fathomless. We can't understand everything about him, and there may be various valid understandings of him, but there may be also various invalid understandings. And we should be uh, very careful to uh, distinguish between what is what. Now, in this regard, now. Uh, a little less than two months ago. I'm just going to change to a slightly different subject here. Um, A little less than two months ago, in a lecture in Bhaktivedanta Man in England, I uh, spoke on a similar subject about uh, some of the the things one of my godbrothers had been publicly saying, or his... uh, Comments on some of the things that Srila Prabhupada had said. And I mentioned the name of that devotee. And I won't do so now because that has been uh, understood as a breach of Vaishnava etiquette. But anyway, I mean, that, that senior godbrother of mine... See, it's very difficult to explain it without saying... And personally, I don't find it a breach of etiquette because, or it may be, maybe it is to some extent, but as I explained in the beginning of that lecture, I hold that devotee in, I've always held that devotee in high regard, and I consider him my friend, even, and senior godbrother, even though, you know, I'm opposed to many of the things he says. And, uh, anyway, some devotees took, or, or not exactly took, they said, Uh, I shouldn't have said that during the class in the temple. I shouldn't have said those things. But the lecture was quite... It was a philosophical analysis of different things. It was was an issue of... uh, According to the senior godbrother of mine, that there's no evidence in Shastra that... uh, Krishna wears a dhoti and the residents of the spiritual world wear saris, whereas Prabhupada says that. So I took up this issue as, as I had done with him personally at length previously. So some devotees said that the class is meant for philosophy and not for expressing personal difference of opinion and disagreements. But I did... Address it in a very philosophical way, and you may say, "Well, it's a personal opinion." But then, in one sense, uh, if we are told to discuss these issues, and they are being discussed, I mean, this godbrother of mine did bring these subjects into the public arena in temple classes and other fora. So, I wasn't the first to do that. Um, and and as I'm told here. From this Vyasasan and there are all kinds of things being propagated. Just so, if it's a mistake, then I'm not the first one to do it. And uh, there are very so. It is a question: how how far should we bring even philosophical discussions? How much should we bring controversial? topics into them Um, it is a valid point but uh, these points are there and they they are to be understood philosophically and not just as personal differences and we should understand philosophically I'm not going to go into the whole argument on whether or not Krishna wears a dhoti right now I I believe you can if you're that interested, you can download it from the Bhaktivedanta site. I think it should be there. That lecture. But the point is that that uh, yeah, this will be there. These these uh, these various understandings will be there, and they should be addressed philosophically. And uh, and certainly, I mean, I was I've been questioned for my. Breach of etiquette in bringing up this point and expressing a doubt in the opinion of so and so Swami. But then he's introduced a doubt in Srila Prabhupada and what he says. Of course, he says that, well, I accept everything that Srila Prabhupada says spiritually, but some of his. Int- Well, whatever he says, it it certainly does introduce an element of doubt into what Śrīla Prabhupāda says. So, that should be addressed. (coughs) So, we could infer from the lecture that His Holiness So-and-so Maharaj is off the track. And in this way, his understanding is bogus. Well, that's a very uh, explicit way of saying it. I guess that's more or less what I was saying. And it's up to devotees to use <coughs> their intelligence and their shastric understanding to uh, see the various arguments and try to understand what the actual fact is. Uh, I, although I didn't say that and I wouldn't put it in those terms. And I, Actually, I don't I, I don't, I mean, I was listening to, I, as I said in that class, I do regularly listen, listen to his lectures because... I, I think he has. Uh, well, I, I personally find he has very much to offer. Philosophy. In fact, I was listening to one of his lectures this morning. As it happens, I often listen. To this very, very, uh, very philosophical person. But some of the statements, uh, I find they they they, uh, yeah, questionable. So, is it a breach of Vaishnava etiquette? Well, maybe it was. Maybe I shouldn't have mentioned his name. Although, now, if I did mention his name, it would make it much clearer. Maybe you've understood who it is. Uh, If I don't mention his name, still people understand who it is. If I don't mention, then you'll probably ask someone else and then you'll find out. Uh... Maybe it is a breach of Vaishnava etiquette, but then Vaishnava etiquette may not be always the topmost consideration also. That's also... It's sometimes necessary to state unpleasant truths, even about or in opposition to respected seniors, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu always respected Advaita Acharya, but Advaita Acharya didn't like that, because he thought, I want to worship Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, but Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is always respecting me. So Advaita Acharya found out a way to make Chaitanya Mahaprabhu less respectful to him. Advaita Acharya started preaching Mayabad, and then when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu found out about this, he went all the way from Navadri to Shandipur and beat Advaita Acharya, punched him and like this. So he violated the Vaishnava etiquette of of respecting a senior. Quite heavily violated it. Um, He respected the senior until he started preaching against the Siddhanta and preaching something that was liable to totally destroy people's faith in Krishna consciousness. Advaita Acharya did that. It's amazing, isn't it? He, he, he so much wanted to get the mercy of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in a different way. <laughs> so, yeah, there may be various opinions, but uh, when it comes to question of Siddhanta, one, one has to that's the point one should not avoid discussions of Siddhanta Prabhupada translates this one should not avoid discussions of Siddhanta considering them controversial because by doing so one by discussing them one's mind becomes more attached to Krishna. so even though the subject may be controversial, we shouldn't avoid it and think that's controversial I'll avoid it but rather we should enter into it and understand clearly what is the proper understanding so Siddhanta is more important than etiquette at least according to this example that I've given so it's dangerous no doubt we should, if we are uh, taking an exception to things that seniors say, we should be very... We should consider carefully before doing so. We should consider carefully how we do so. But uh, as I've experienced the... Uh, Always being polite is not the best way to get your point across. Uh, It's a dangerous path, no doubt. It it is a risk to uh, take up controversial issues with seniors. On the other hand, It has been seen that seniors have seriously misled others. So that is likely to go on. And rather than... Someone should question. If if there's a doubt in some of the seniors... Just like the example of Hare I can say his name because anyway he's out and gone. So he misled people so badly, Unfortunately. He did so much good service but then at some point he misled people so badly. So should we just say, Alright, he's a great Vaishnava and then uh, yes and his uh, everything he said even after he you know, his change of his open change of heart, should we just accept that and no say nothing against it? But by doing so so many people left Krishna consciousness because they just accepted what he said blindly. So, someone should say something. Well, that's, it, that's the thing. So many devotee, disciples of Hare Krishna Maharaj, after he left, and devotees told him, actually we knew there was things going on for such a long time, but we never said anything. He so said, why didn't you say anything? But my experience is, if you do say something, and as long as that devotee is not totally out of Krishna consciousness, if you do say something, you're labeled as a Vaishnava Parati. So it's a very difficult situation. One has to be careful, but somehow uh, I'm somewhat reckless, uh, you could say. I pray to all the Vaishnavas and to Srila Prabhupada to rectify me if I have faults. Sorry, I should. that's a very foolish statement I just made. That in itself is a fault, to rectify all of my faults and to uh, explain to me on the basis of Guru, Sadhu, and Shastra if what I'm saying is wrong, and to forgive my offenses, and help me to remain as Shri Prabhupada's lotus feet. And we all remain there. Differences of opinion may be there, but uh, we should... Attempt to understand and practice Krishna consciousness in a way that is uh, most in concord with Srila Prabhupada's statements and his intent, with all sincerity, we should do so. Hare Krishna. Is any question, please? Comment or protest? Yes. I guess I can turn this off now. Regarding regarding the where
1: the dhoti, no, Shri Prabhupada said that if we go in sankirtan, not uh, not with dhoti, it's not that we are uh, broken some principle, but uh, we are. Uh, yeah, if we go on, if
0: we go in sankirtan with not with dhoti, we're not breaking any principle. Yeah. Book distribution sankirtan, uh, Prabhupada gave full it's allowance for that. Is the main for that, the main, yes, for, for wearing kami clothes. For distributing books, although nowadays it may be in many places that wearing dhoti is just as or sari is just as uh, good for distributing books. It may have been in the in the 1970s in America and England when there was a lot of suspicion of our movement <coughs> that wearing non-devotional clothes was better. But well, I introduced here through Vasudev Datta Prabhu in this country. Wearing dhoti on book distribution, and uh, the results he has reported are just as that they're, they're just as good. So it's hmm? even, better. even better, maybe, yeah. Because well, immediately people can see who you are. So if they stop, it's that's good. You're already halfway there. If they see you in a dhoti and you approach them with a book, and if they're not interested, they'll just immediately go away. So.
1: So no, that, uh, mm. when we go in dhoti and sari we identify
0: with uh, our culture right, exactly I, I'll just say that again uh, when we go in with doti and sari we identify with our culture we identify with something different we, we have. We, we are not part of the uh, pound shillings and pence and sense gratification society but
1: when a leader says there's no evidence in the Shasta that Krishna wears dhoti that make, uh, could,
0: can create a doubt in our... Uh, yeah, when, so when leaders say that Krishna doesn't wear dhoti that creates a doubt and, and why are we wear dhoti. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's, uh, it's, 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 it's almost, it, it may seem like an innocuous statement but it's almost like a spear in our heart, isn't it? And what are we doing? <laughs>
1: so at it just... Uh, that's why I
0: thought it. It may seem like a small point, but I thought it important enough to. I mean, I'm not on a campaign about it. Maybe I should be, but but uh, it does create a feeling feeling that one thing that well, what is you know, was probably wrong in what he stated, and then is this dress? Why, why are we dress like this? And Robert liked to see his disciples dressed like this. He didn't insist on it, but he, of course, I mean, it's a standard dress for the members of the Hare Krishna movement, like this. Yes, so, what else did you want to say? Yeah, I end up in
1: some confusion at the end, because for many years, some devotee presented himself, and he identified with his dressing. Now something like this, it can it can confuse. Yes, yes,
0: it, it can introduce some confusion. So in exactly. This, in which way one will con, con, continue to to do
1: that and same, at the same time try to listen uh, also,
0: try to understand the the point of view of his authority well that's what I was saying on that issue I, I was presenting that uh, I didn't accept what he said on that point so I would say don't accept that <laughs> and what
1: we supposed to accept him it because he's his authority yeah
0: well it puts you in a very if the authorities start introducing things which uh... now this is a very interesting discussion More than interesting, it's a vital discussion. What if authorities introduce things which we can't accept? Now, I was just talking about that, Prabhupada saying things like, the moon is further away than the sun, and we find it very difficult to accept. But we should accept it, and accepting Prabhupada as the Paramahamsa Mahabhavad, who's speaking according to Shastra. Now, if we say that someone's saying something else... And I'm someone who's in the position of an acharya, and we don't say, accept what he says. But again we come to the point of, uh, should we just accept him as we accept Prabhupāda? But again, Prabhupāda, he makes the point that you should accept me because of what I say on the basis of shastra. Now, interestingly, the devotee who I'm talking about states he also makes that point that Prabhupada said you should accept what's in Shastra and he says that we don't find these words sari or dhoti in Shastra. Interesting, We're not dealing with a philosophical lightweight here. Uh, so like that you'll often find in Shastra words like Vasana or Dukula cool, which simply means cloth or some dress. And Prabhupada would say dhoti or sari. When I discussed with him, I had a long conversation with him about this, almost two hours, till my phone card ran out. Uh, But my point was that if Prabhupada says Krishna is dressed in a dhoti, if we accept the Prabhupada seeing Krishna, then you can be pretty sure that Krishna is wearing a dhoti. And it may be, and and, and all the in Indian tradition we always see pictures of Krishna like that so uh, it may be that Prabhupada if you really want to get into some kind of cultural analysis it may be that Prabhupada is using the term dhoti in a broader generic term than just like this is not a dhoti often devotees say this sannyas dress they refer to dhoti or suddenly they say it's a lungi but it's not a lungi either lungi is a Muslim dress so the the the, the, gen, the broad generic term you can say is bahivas which means an external dress and which covers the coping so you may say in a, in, in a uh, in a Prabhat is using the word doti and generic term one thing's for sure as I also pointed out that, well he he didn't seem like he was so sure but he said that the uh, I said, Krishna's is not wearing blue jeans. <laughs> now he made a point that, well, in the spiritual world there must be unlimitedly more variety than in the material world, which is just this little, tiny little earth in one tiny little portion of time in this worst age. Surely the spiritual world has more variety and Krishna's is not just dressed in just one style of dress. But then, uh, well, I, it's in that lecture I gave him. Actually, the, the, much of what, much of Krishna lila, it's all the same. It, it, the, the variety, the, he's born to Vasudevan Devaki, he goes to Vrindavan, and like this, he fights certain demons, much of it is the same. He has Rasa Lila, it's not that he has Rasa Lila, they have, you know, they have disco dance style one night and waltz style another night, it's... <laughs> One night they bring out the uh, electric guitars and uh, the jambe drum. And there's no jambe drum, or accordion, or harmonium, for that matter. So there, there is much of the the sameness, but the variety comes from. Well, there are variations in the Leela and it's it's like the. The, uh, the play and the emotions and the words and the, the, the difference comes like that. But it's not It's not that... Uh, I mean, it is what would nowadays be called Indian from our point of view. Much of it is... Hey, it's a big discussion. I don't get into details. I've done so and so other... I can't get into it now. Yeah.
1: I mean, one or two
0: more questions. Okay,
1: my question is... Uh, about also something very, very controversial. Uh, we've heard in the past a few uh, serious accusations about, uh, uh, directed to uh, a few very prominent gurus in ISKCON. Uh, we've heard we,
0: serious we, accusations
1: directed. Yeah, e- even, even for murder and, you know. Syria about murder, yes. How do we as members of ISKCON uh, react to these accusations? How and, do we as
0: members of ISKCON react? Well, yeah. mostly there is no reaction. <laughs>
1: It's probably not good to just ignore it, and it's probably not also good... Uh, I agree, it's
0: probably best GBC not GBC. to ignore it. I personally think that the uh, as these accusations keep on going on, I think that the GBC should make some statement about it. Personally, I think so. Because it's obviously gone
1: as far as you know, creating a,
0: a completely new movement. Creating a new movement? I don't think so. Yeah, the, this, this uh, IRM. No, no, oh, well, that's... The, the, the certain accusations you are talking about came up long after the IRM began. <coughs> yeah, I personally think on this particular issue, I, I think it would be good for the GBC to make a statement. But, um, who am I? <laughs> Sitting in front of you, you all think I'm a big, important man, but... Small fish in the big pond called this. Pond. Maybe I'm a little bigger fish than others, but not a very big fish.
1: Yeah. So uh, we could notice in the past of ISCON that some senior members in groups and else did deviate from true
0: we saw in the past that some leaders deviated from Prabhupada. devotees who had been very uh, much respected and very uh, respected for their adherence to Prabhupada, they later deviated. Yeah, we've seen that. And some, so to say, younger devotees, next generation devotees were noticing this. The next generation devotees noticed this. Yeah, young devotees were noticing this. like So... Probable that it will also happen in the, the future. That also happen in future. Yes, that's one of the main points I've been making in this series of lectures. So, so one should be what, philosophically aware. Yeah, so
1: what's the proper reaction? What
0: should we are yeah. as younger devotees? What is the proper reaction as younger devotees? Well, I've recommended that you be alert and philosophically aware and uh, read Prabhupada's books stick to the essence and find good association where take good association wherever you can find it and another thing is also uh, not to be overwhelmed by controversies that's also another point there's so many controversies and if there are a thousand controversies in ISKCON today then tomorrow there's going to be a thousand or more because someone's always dreaming up something new and I know I, I know s- I mean, I, many devotees, they, they come out with all this, did you hear about this or they hear about that? And you can spend your whole life hanging out on the internet and discussing this and that, but at the end of life you have to remember Krishna. Which seems to be the... Uh, most of our leaders in this school, they seem to have this approach, just, you know, throw all the controversies in the basket and just chant Hare Krishna, which is one approach. But on the other hand, if they're not addressed, then doubts may fester. So, it's probably better that at least some of them which are more prominent are addressed. But another thing is that many people are unreasonable <coughs> and unphilosophical. philosophical so it, it is difficult to uh, even discuss with them. I mean, that's one thing I like about the Devotee I was just talking about, is that uh, even though I certainly disagree with him on Certain philosophical points, I appreciate that he's philosophical, and uh, and actually he is. He's like making some innovations and this and that. But one thing he's been stating for years is: this, this, our movement in America is it's pretty much a non-entity, and we have to. Like I was saying, you know, preaching means you make some adjustments. So his idea is to. Make some adjustments to make to accommodate people and bring them in. I don't agree with the degree of adjustments that he's made, but I I, appreciate—I sincerely appreciate the spirit behind that. So maybe people think I'm on a trip against him. Maybe I am. uh, You know, I'm very sincerely. If he walked in the door here, I'd you know very sincerely embrace him. He's my friend and elder god brother. Maybe I'll dream about him. Often when I talk about my godbrothers, I try. I had a very nice dream last night. About Ranch. Uh. Then I met him and I embraced him and it was a little painful for him and he was very thin and that's but then he was telling you know, what would he talk about? About preaching. He said, Oh I went to Gujarat and where you're preaching and I met the king of this place and one of your disciples. What's his name? It was just like it was real, you know. <laughs> so we want to. Uh, we we want to see the. Uh, there, there may be differences, but you have to see. Um, the devotees are dedicated their lives to Krishna. Also, and it's no small thing. I mean, even Hari Krishna such a mess he made but such good things he did before that and at the end Prabhupada will see the good things I'm sure of that Prabhupada is more more kind than we are quite likely so we can't accept some of the things he said but at the same time what tremendous service he's done we should see that also and that's also in regard to what you're saying the person under accusation look at the service that's no small thing mm-hmm. uh, so what would be your advice
1: especially for the disciples
0: of senior devotees who the, of the you Advice of disciples, of gurus who deviate in future. Yes, stick to Prabhupada's lotus feet. Through his disciples. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. At the end of life, we have to chant Hare Krishna and remember Krishna. So, that's the essence. I mean, I've given these talks and they're quite quite controversial and interesting. But during Janmashtami, I was speaking of the qualities of Krishna and that's really what we have to remember. But so that we can concentrate on this we also need to... ...technological equipment by which one... ...we should... ...our real essence of life is if we can happily chant Hare Krishna and think of Krishna, dream of Krishna. Thank you for tolerating me seriously because in, um, in some places I get, maybe I will get banned, I don't know. So far I'm not banned from Slovenia. But in some places, you know, either directly or indirectly I'm not allowed to come back because I have a habit of talking of things which, uh, you know, the kind of things you're not really supposed to talk about, but I talk about them anyway. I, I, like I said, I may be, there may be some faults in my presentation, but if there are, the devotees may correct me, and... Uh,